Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Home Builders. We're going to get started here in a couple minutes. So if you would, get your last minute coffee or refreshment of juice. Thanks to everybody who brought something today to share with us. We appreciate it so much. Some wonderful food back there. And, uh, some quiche and some donuts and some all kinds of good stuff. So thank you for those of you who brought something today. And uh, we'll get started here in about two minutes. We'll read our verse together since it's Palm Sunday. Zechariah 9-9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It's so good to see you guys this morning. Um, ever since COVID and our new times, and then us, of course, we can't stop having children. So uh, with new babies, they just put us on a new time schedule. So usually I'm, I'm home about this time. I already have gone to church. And, um, but it's a nice excuse to have to stay um, and see you guys once again. I was telling some of the people in the back, I feel like half this morning is going to be just hugs and just catching up with everybody. So it's so good to see you. I'm so encouraged to see your faces. I see a lot of guys with a lot more facial hair. And, uh, it's fine. Uh, I approve. Let's not stop. Um, so good to see you. And, it's, and as, as Will mentioned, you know, our Saturday morning groups are, are up and running. Um, been faithful with that. Have a nice group of guys to come together and just enjoying uh, getting together and discussing God's Word and just the power of that. And um, the camaraderie each week. Uh, but also just the encouragement to stay in His Word. And I, I just have to say that the Sunday school that I was attending earlier this morning, and then this applies to Lou. Um, I probably spent a ridiculous amount of time uh, putting just 15 or so slides together. And it just makes me really appreciate the things that, that teachers do every Sunday. Um, so it's just appreciate the effort that you do of not just making sure you get a lesson together and try to make sure that you know, it works with the group, but then just to make it whatever. Professional. It takes a whole, a whole lot more of your time, but I, pre I appreciate that more now. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, it probably took me too long just because I haven't done it in a while. But um, yeah, I was also um, so thank, thanks, Luke, just for the opportunity to be able to share just some of the stuff that we've been talking about in our Saturday morning group. We've we've discussed Revelation. That was like a year and a half, and we talked about the Book of Daniel. It's like another year or so. And, uh, moved all around, and then in between, we're in Hebrews, Hebrews 4 now for this next Saturday, but in between, just with it being uh, Easter coming up, the Easter season coming up, we decided to take maybe like a two-week or so hiatus from jumping into another book of Scripture and jumping into all of Scripture and trying to discuss just some of the events that were leading up to, um, to Easter and looking at Crucifixion Week, uh, specifically focusing a bit on Passover. So that's what I'm going to try to talk about this morning. Um, I was actually trying to think about some things that we chatted about, and I thought maybe I shouldn't talk about that because I don't want to cause any division. I'm not here to start a new church. Uh, but I just want you to know that, as always, and I'm going to start by letting you know, get in God's Word and be a Berean, right? Make sure that you are the ones, and that, that's how we're supposed to encourage each other. You're not supposed to say inflammatory things that you're like, that's not there, because you go back and read. Um, but anything that makes us go look through Scripture. And say, is that what it is? Yeah, I agree with them that. Well, what, what does it say over here in this gospel or this and that? That's part of the edification of the church. We're actually allowing scripture to speak into us. So um, I'm going to 
I get started here with just looking at, I want to talk about the Crucifixion Week, because this is kind of what we were thinking about, uh, what's going on in that Crucifixion Week. And I, I start by going a little bit into some dates. I'm not a historian. I'm not a Jew. I'm not, this is not my forte, but, it, but I need to see how these things lay out in order to have an appreciation for some of these events. And that's the scope that I want to cover today. I think it's interesting that sometimes when Lou has other speakers come, it's because you know, he and Cheryl are finally getting to get a vacation go somewhere. I noticed that when I speak, Lou's always here to monitor. So I think that's <laughs> just what I'm 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 the what I'm just but remember that this all begins and ends with Jesus. Like this is really bringing the Old Testament right into the New. And even though when we look at the New Testament, we see that's what, that's what Jesus is all about. Remember, Jesus was following the Old Testament traditions because until his death, there was new, no new covenant. Right? So he was ab abiding by these other, these other things. But we want to get in and talk about the feasts. These are the, the feasts of the Lord, which Passover is one of them. And then I want to focus specifically on Okay, so um, I've tried to put some of the places of, of where I've used some other resources, mainly because if you don't agree with me, well, then you can go look at those and see. But let's talk about the schedule of the Crucifixion Week. So I wanted to kind of map this out. Um, could, I, could I have somebody um, look up Matthew 21, 1 to 11? If not, I can do it. AJ, you got that? Yeah. Okay. Matthew um, 21, right here, uh, in red, 21, uh, 1 to 11. Um, we start looking at uh, Sunday, which we're celebrating uh, this morning by the verses that we were covering and looking at uh, Palm Sunday. This is Nisan 10. So this is the first month. It starts the religious Jewish year of Nisan 1. And as we move through here, so um, this is looking at Nisan 10. We're going to cover some dates just so you can see the relationship to each other. Okay. Um, this, this is followed by Jesus clearing the temple this day that AJ can read right now. <clears throat> now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill that what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. 
So this was um, the beginning of the week that Jesus had just traveled from, I believe it was Bethany, he'd been visiting Lazarus, and people had gotten word that he was on his way to Jerusalem. So that's part of the, crowd, the reason the crowd knew he was coming. Other people who were there that weren't aware of this was like, who is this? But clearly they were those that were following and understood him as a prophet. This is when Jesus also cleared the temple. You've made my father's house, right? That, that which is um, unholy. And he, we, hear, we know the different individual stories that are given all through Matthew. The very next day he heads back to the temple and there's a very long list parables and different discussions where he's talking to the, he's being tested and, and questioned. And then he leaves and actually goes and talks with his disciples. And his disciples are asking him very kind of personal questions. How do we know when the end times are coming and so forth? And this is referred to many times as the Olivet Discourse. And this is in Matthew 26 here. So you can see a lot is happening from Matthew 21, Matthew 26. A lot of different Jesus teachings are there but it's because he spent the day at the temple. Okay, giving these, giving these talks. In Matthew 26, verses 1 to 5, it talks about he, Jesus talks to his disciples as he's walking with them. And it says when he's done saying all these things, um, he says to them, the Passover is going to be in two days. Let's get ready for that. So if we know this is the Monday, that means Wednesday the Passover is going to start. Okay? Now, to me, and this was put in the context of trying to understand when was Jesus crucified. Uh, I've got a slide coming up so that we know there's no division. Make no mistake, it doesn't matter to some degree which day Jesus was crucified. If we agree that Jesus was crucified, paying for our sins, was raised from the dead, that we might have eternal life. Right? Let's make sure there's no divisions in the church. This is not another Calvinistic versus Arminian discussion which many times is only used sometimes to divide the church, when actually what it should be used is to make people just dive deeper and deeper into Scripture to understand the heart of God. Okay, so, uh, so here I'm trying to think, you know, this, where, where did Jesus die? But it also means when did they celebrate the Passover? And from that, I need to understand these feasts. Okay, so now we're on the same page. So it seems that the Passover would start at night. We know that Jewish days, right, typically started at sundown. And then went the next day, so it was the night and the day, which ended up being their actual calendar day. So this is when he has the Last Supper with his disciples. And from most views, when, when you check for all the different opinions, that Jesus, the Last Supper was Passover. There are at least three different calendars that are going on at this time, which I can't reconcile. <laughs> Uh, so why would I even try to teach that? Because I can't reconcile. But there's even some dates that say that Jesus died A.D. 30. Others say A.D. 33. Again, personally, it doesn't really, I don't really care. Um, because it's, it's a history thing that, that isn't right now in my purview. But I want you to know that we know that Jesus lived, uh, did his ministry, died and was resurrected. So let's make sure we're on the same page with that. All right. So the Last Supper. Um, this is Wednesday night, which is Wednesday night would be Thursday, right? At least in the calendar, right? So this is Nisan 14. This is actually the Passover day. Okay. You can see that Nisan 10, Nisan 14. We're going to talk about that in a moment. So this is this is a the Passover day. We know from the Gospel of John and from many other writings that uh, Jesus dies at 3 p.m. dies in the afternoon. And, and it refers to uh, the comment of, well, because this is preparation day, um, we need to 
bury Jesus. We need to get, actually, to be honest, it was not just applied to Jesus, right? What did they do to all the people who were hung on the cross that day? At least what did they do? They wanted to get them off the cross, off their crosses, right? And we know that because to fulfill prophecy that none of his bones would be broken, we know that Jesus did not have his legs broken, even though the, the other uh, thieves, the thieves were on the cross, they did. It was to expedite their death to hurry up and speed it up because the Jewish leaders, the Roman government didn't care as much, but the, the Jewish leaders didn't want to have something that would be work and definitely a non-sacred event occurring on the Sabbath. Okay, so that's how we know that Jesus not only died because the time was recorded, but also the, the reason for wanting to get um, Jesus and the other um, uh, guys uh, buried. So in this passage, and it mentions this in Mark 15, 42, and in John 19, 31, uh, I'm not going to read those uh, for you. They're, they're pretty short. They actually refer to it being a preparation day uh, and the next day being the Sabbath. Um, what I wanted to read for you, though, so that we can understand something here is Leviticus 23. And there's a portion of Leviticus 23. This is where the Lord outlines for uh, the Israelites the feasts. And it refers specifically to um, the 14th and 15th day. And it says, uh, Leviticus 23, verse 6, On the 15th day of the month, uh, the Lord's festival of unleavened bread begins. For seven days, you must eat bread made without yeast. On the first day of that seven, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. For seven days, present a food offering to the Lord. And on the seventh day, hold a sacred assembly and do no work. So um, this day, and it, it's illustrated a little bit better, I think, in John 19.31, is to understand that this day of preparation is before a Sabbath, but of a special Sabbath. It's not just any Sabbath. This is Nisan 15. This is the first feast, the first day of a seven-week party where they're celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, the reason I bring that up is because when you start to do some research about what days are possible for Jesus uh, death, which they basically range from Wednesday, Thursday to Friday. And I grew up celebrating Good Friday, and we celebrate, we remember the Lord's death on Friday. Um, I think it's more of a Thursday, <laughs> but that's because the re one of the reasons that most of us think that it's a Friday, or even hope that it is a Friday, is, is because we know the next day is a Sabbath, and we know the Saturday is a Sabbath. One thing we need to understand is that during crucifixion week, there are multiple Sabbaths okay, because there are a special feast. So, so part of me wanting to get into this was trying to get into the mind of what it's like to be a Jew and what it's like to actually go through this. Now, does that mean definitively that Jesus did not die on a Friday? No, it doesn't. Okay? And I want to present some other information, but I just want you to see that was one of the reasons for most people saying, oh, clearly he, he had to die on a Friday because the next day was the Sabbath. Okay? Uh, in this case... Um, Friday was a Sabbath this week, okay, because Nisan 15 would make it such. And as well, talking about the next week, seven days after that, there would be another midweek Sabbath. Okay, so, all right. Oops, let's keep moving. Did I just turn it off? Okay. All right, Saturday was, of course, the regular end of week Sabbath. Sunday, this is when the women visit the tomb to anoint Jesus' body with spices, okay, because of such the expedited events that happened on the day that Jesus died. Okay? So you can look at that as a follow-up. All right. Um, 
And, and there were guys in the group, Saturday morning group, I feel like I'm kind of just representing what we discussed there. Um, we, we kind of were leaning more towards a Thursday uh, crucifixion just because of the passage that Jesus says when he says, what a wicked generation that you're going to ask me for a sign. He goes, I'll give you a sign. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the earth and refers to, and he's, he's talking about his death. So, so those like me that might hold to Jesus dying on a Thursday, it's because I'm thinking three full days, three full nights. When just, you know, there's plenty of other interpretations that talk about things of just being on the third night, not actually being three 24-hour periods. Just want to make that clear. Okay? All right. So <clears throat> there are several different views. This is what I mentioned before, just to make sure that this discussion does not make us divisive. I, I was actually thinking about not even talking about dates, but I wanted to give you a little bit of the history of why, especially in our men's group, why we're even looking at feasts. Because we realized that when we look at the crucifixion week, we, we were a little rudderless with knowing what was going on. Well, this made us dive into the feast, and that's what I get to. That this is what we had in common, clearly. The day of the crucifixion doesn't matter so much. But there's, there's three quick reasons that I thought I put here, and then we'll leave it back, that might argue and might give some good indication of why it would be a Thursday. Uh, that one, the words of Jesus, which I already mentioned. Okay. Uh, the other is, um, if you, I thought this was very interesting. If you look back to before Nisan 10, when Jesus, just the weekend before, was visiting Lazarus, and he was, he was saying, he, he was greeting him, they threw a big feast for him, um, and welcomed him. It was in uh, Bethany, I believe, and it says in John uh, 12, verses 1 to 3, it says, six days before Passover. Let you know what date it is. It doesn't tell you what day. It tells you what date. So this would be Nisan 8. So Jesus traveled to Bethany. And then it talks about how basically two days later, this is when he's traveling to Jerusalem. Okay, that's where we were on Palm Sunday. During those two days, by the way, is when the crowd, when people started figuring out, hey, Jesus is coming to town. And that's why crowds and so forth could be ready for him to wait. It wasn't too much of a hub up because there's plenty of people that for Palm Sunday said, who's this? Right? So we didn't know. But there, this is that time. If you, if you follow a Wednesday or Friday Sabbath, in other words, it's Nisan 14, that would put one of Jesus' travel days on the previous Saturday. So that would be a, a problem with him obeying the previous Sabbath by traveling on it. Okay, So that's one thing that kind of suggests that this might be a Thursday. And then the last one, which this was, this was a neat discussion that we had with the guys. This is mainly an argument against Wednesday, which I would venture to say that the people in here, uh, myself included, I was never in the camp that thought that Jesus might have died on a Wednesday. But um, if he died on a Wednesday, then there's no real logic of why the women would wait until the first of the week, Sunday, to go anoint his body. Because if he died on a Wednesday and Thursday was a special Sabbath right unto the Lord, because it's the first, it's the first day of a seven-day feast, then Friday would have been no special day. And the women could have just gone and anointed his body dead. They could have bought the spices. In other words, why would they wait all the way till Sunday? I, I think that the women waited till Sunday, especially Sunday, first thing in the morning, right? Before sunrise, they even started, got there about sunrise. Um, because it was the first time they could be. Sabbath honoring women. Okay, so I think that's kind of mission. All right. Interesting to see how um, just doing all, having all this discussion and talking about things that I felt like were way over our pay grade 
and look, trying to understand scripture, we realized a lot of things. I just want to cover a couple of these right here because I know you, you stand in the same place I am with this. One, we realized, I realized, how little effort I put into some aspects of reading God's word. How little effort I've put into trying to pull it all together. Particularly in the gospels. Because they're in some nice groups, right? Today I'm going to read the parable of this, or the lesson of that, or the, right? I mean, if you look at just when Jesus was teaching in the temple, many a sermon has come from just one part of what Jesus said in his communication that one day. So I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying it just made me realize, man, Lord, I need to get, I need to, to understand you're so much deeper and you have such a larger plan and there's so much more awesomeness that I'm, the window that I'm giving you it is allowing to creep in. Okay? And I, I don't just say we're all in that. Right? We can all be encouraged uh, by that. One, Scripture's true. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And that's one thing um, that I know the, the Saturday morning as well as the, the Monday group, whether, whether we're reading just God's Word or reading a book, we're reading a book in light of God's Word because that's, that, that is our foundation. Right? That's our reason for meeting together. It's not to feel good about ourselves. It's not just to, you know, to be able to feel it. It's to, to put ourselves in the authority of Scripture and do what it says. Um, Jordan Peterson, uh, I'm not sure if he's a believer yet. He, man, if not, he's right on the line. Um, he's a thinker, a debater, and he has this respect for God's Word. I'll say that. And he's referred to God's Word as being the, one of the original hypertexts. Which means before there were even hyperlinks, you know, the little, when you're reading something or it's online, have a little link that goes to something else, and documents end up tying all back and forth. And we link them together. We make a document and we link it to other things um, to create a story. Because that's exactly what the Bible is. And if the Bible were not true, some of those links would be broken. Something in it would be proven internally wrong. What we see here when we look at the Jewish feast is a 2,000 plus year plan that has worked out to the date. And it's just, it's just amazing. Um, we've learned that God's timing is amazing. Okay? He's never late because how could he be? Right? Who is man, right? That, that he could all afford it. We see when we look at the life of Jesus, we see clearly there's, there are acts of the devil. Okay? There are even his own disciples that tried to thwart some things and, and did that stop his plan? No, at all. And also, for us to realize for, when we have questions, right? He's, he's, never, he's never early either. Lord, why haven't you done this already? Why don't you just, when you think about the arrogance of that statement anyway, right? That question, we're putting ourselves kind of at the level of God. Let's remember, O Clay, where you are in, birth, in, in, in relation to the potter. But, but I think many times the Lord doesn't fault us for asking that question. Uh, but it's many times so he can tell us that he has a plan. Be patient and watch them through. We see that through the, the feast. We see that through Passover. And, and here, this is what led our men's group into looking at this a little bit more in more detail, specifically referring to the crucifixion. We need to understand the feast. So I want to transition out. Let's, let's talk about the feast. So I think we'll pass what could be viewed as the controversial part. I think we got through it unscathed. So let's, let's look at the Jewish feast. So there are so many feasts. I'm just looking at some, some lists I put here, and it was getting late. You can tell I got lazy. I stopped listing them. Okay. Um, to some degree, I think I've heard that there are 70 different festivals and so feasts that they can have. Okay. 
Um, these are typically based, at least initially in the Old Testament, were based on the seasons. So you can see I've broken them up into spring and fall. Because Israel being an agricultural society, um, usually set up a lot of their uh, festivals. They set up a calendar, even on the events that happened around the seasons. And the Lord used that to actually teach them a lot of things. He taught them parables, but also even in the Old Testament, when he set up the feast for some of the feasts for them originally, it was based on how he was providing for them. And a lot of his provision, besides protection from enemies, was food and water, right? Taking care of his people from their most sustaining them. Um, interesting that looking at a lot of the things that are not in red here, these are what I'll consider more modern feasts. Uh, the Festival of Trees celebrates spring. Um, the Festival of Lots, actually, they, the Jews read from the Book of Esther. It's, they commemorate the day that was chosen by Lot to, um, to destroy the Jews. So when Haman was trying to kill them, of course we know that, that Esther's faithfulness, right, and her uncle Mordecai, how literally the, the noose that Haman made for Mordecai was, was actually saved for his own neck. But they commemorate, he remembered um, this, to be honest, this possible early Holocaust that could have happened that the Lord saved him from. And then many of the others, you can see, they seem more national or historical, right, in, in how they're set up. That's just the Holocaust, but, but Israel remembering their fallen comrades, this is the memorial day. Israel's independence, which of course this wasn't celebrated until 48 and after, when, when Israel became a nation, um, and so forth. Um, the ones that are read, though, these are the ones that are mentioned in Leviticus 23. And I'm not going to go through and read that just for the sake of time. But the, the Lord says, these are the Lord's appointed feasts. So it's great that you have all these holidays. The one in the red are the ones that God said, these are my appointed times. Passover, Nisan 14. Unleavened bread, a week that starts on Nisan 15. First fruits, which starts on the 16th. Boom, boom, boom. We get three feasts right together. And one thing we realize is usually the Jews in both scripture and past that refer to this as all of Passover because it's one feast right after the other. Okay, it's a total of eight days. Passover itself, and then seven days, first fruits being one of the ones that's in the seventh day. And we have Pentecost, also known as the Feast of Weeks. Pentecost, because it's, as the Lord prescribes clearly in Leviticus 23, it's 50 days after first fruits. It's seven Sabbaths and a day. Now we know Pentecost as another name, or another reason, we think about the coming of the Holy Spirit, Okay, but this was on the Feast of Weeks, but is also named Pentecost for meaning 50. Okay? These are the spring feasts. Okay? Uh, these are the fall. What I think is interesting, and we're gonna, I'll paint a quick picture for you because I'm going to run out of time. These spring feasts, we have being New Testament believers, these are the past. We've seen these come to fruition through the Acts of Jesus. We have yet to see how these fall feasts have happened yet, and we look to them with excitement for the Lord to finish the real meaning, the deeper meaning through the Messiah of what these feasts refer to, just as these have already been fulfilled on the side. Alright. If we look at Nisan 14, I'll read this quickly. Um, some of you may think, what we read from Exodus, where it talks about the Passover. Right? It gets me every time to you know that you can think of, I want to read Genesis 22. Because this this gets me. You guys know the, the, the thing here. Uh, Abraham has been asked to sacrifice Isaac. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son. 
Abraham replied, the fire and water are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? It's awesome that Isaac's young, but he's not stupid. <laughs> right? He's like, oh, uh, uh, uh. Um, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Maybe thinking as a father, I really hope I don't have to go through this. Right? Talk about an emotional thing. Abraham's commitment to God and his love for his son. Amazing. He built the altar, placed his son on that altar, top of the wood. He then reached out his hand, took a knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord called out from the heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here, here I am, he replied. I would have said, thank God. <laughs> do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not come for me, your son, and only son. And here, can someone else read this for me? Verse 13. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Wow. We could read Exodus. But then we can kind of get out of the story, right? That's what the Jews went through. Let's talk about Passover. Let's talk about Passover. Right? What an amazing thing. And what's really amazing here is a ram caught by its horns. In this story, not even a willing participant. Right? And then we look at Jesus. Willingly. Was Jesus caught? Was he ensnared? No. Right? He willingly went to Jerusalem. He willingly, right, laid down. Just an amazing thing. Also, we can really understand Passover, so that that happened instead of us. Just an amazing, amazing thing. And then Paul says, "For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed." What an amazing thing. Unleavened bread. Next day. Acts two twenty four twenty seven. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. He's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. Part of the unleavened bread celebration was to get rid of lead, leaven, to get rid of everything that might cause mold and decay and, and break down and actually show that not only is there no sin, but we can now have life without corruption. We see this fulfilled in Jesus because we know his body was not left in the grave to decay. We actually see at the very next day from this, they celebrated first fruits. Now this reminded me a little bit of their tithe, right? They took the first sheaves and they waved them before the Lord and gave them, just as we are many times instructed through scripture to give the first bit to the Lord, okay? By the way, that is for Jews, but we do it in honor because we have that same heart that all, all belongs to the Lord and, and just as Abraham gave some to Melchizedek. We, we follow that same kind of prescription. Here in meaning, the Lord's acceptance of the first fruits was really a, a pledge on his part that he would honor the rest of the crop. So they're doing this in faith. That because we because the Lord caused the first crop to come up, he will cause the second crop, the, the large crop, to come up. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Why do we know that we will be raised? Because Christ was raised. Okay? He is our first fruits. And then there are several scriptures. If Christ be not raised, oh my goodness, then what? We're living a futile life, right? 
it was really important at the time there were there was a Gnosticism that was going on that that that, that Paul had to address because they thought that anything that had a physical body, any, any material thing, was uh, somehow perverted or, or evil. So they, they talked about uh, a physical body, but the resurrection would just be spiritual. And we're like, no, there is a physical resurrection as well. We see that actually in Jesus' body, right? Touch my hand, right? Touch my side. And, and even though we hear of, well, could Jesus walk through walls? And we don't know the type of body that we will have. That is the mystery, right? But we do know that we will be raised as Jesus was raised. He is our first fruits. And then when we look at the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, this is the coming of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Jesus ministered after his resurrection. If Jesus is our first fruits, he ministered with his disciples for 40 days and watched him ascend. And he said, wait, you know how long we had to wait? 10 days. Because <laughs> when they were gathered together in an upper room, you know why they were together? They were celebrating Feast of Weeks. And during that time, the Holy Spirit came so that, the so that they would not be left. And it's interesting that when you look at the Feast of Weeks, not only did they give a barley grain and, and wave to the Lord, kind of like the first fruits, they also brought two loaves. And those loaves were told to them to have leaven in them. Well, that sounds like a very non-Jewish thing to do. All right? Let's celebrate a feast. Make sure there's yeast in it. Okay? And one of the newer interpretations of that is, that's because when, when Jesus was raised and the Holy Ghost was given, the Holy Ghost wasn't just given to Jews. Right? This is Jew and Gentile. This is the beginning of the church age. And this is given by the, uh, the Holy Spirit is what is leading us in the absence of Jesus, right? Because we don't have Jesus now. And if we want to see where we are in terms of the feasts prophetically, we are in the summertime. The spring feasts have occurred. We can look back on them as history. We can still celebrate them in remembrance. We look back on them as history. We look forward to the future feasts. There is a link between Nisan 10 and 14, which I wanted to cover here. This is Palm Sunday, and this is Passover. This is illustrated in Exodus 12, 3 to 6, just for the sake of time. We're not going to read that this morning. But, but please, just go ahead and take a note of that. The lambs were sacrificed on Passover. Agree with that. But they were selected on Nisan 10. And they were told, pick a lamb, care for it for these four days. Inspect it. Make sure it's spotless. And then you're going to sacrifice it. We see that presented that the people chose Jesus on the 10th. He was then inspected by a high priest the wrong reasons. Right? They were trying to find fault in him. That's good. Did they? Yeah. Yeah, they did. The spotless lamb remains. <coughs> and then on the Passover, just imagine being in the time of the Exodus. Alright, Lord, I'll, we'll pick him on, on the 10th. I don't want to just want to pick us on the 13th. You know, just, you know, why do I have to look at the 40? Because this was set up to illustrate the perfection of Jesus through that feast. God's got great timing. According to Jewish regulations, the slaughter of the Passover lambs was to occur at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. According to the Gospel of John, Jesus died at that very time. So imagine, I never really thought about this, at the time that Jesus was dying, lambs were being sacrificed. They just weren't looking at the wrong lamb. 
Now, without even realizing it, because they set it up, right? The world set it up where Jesus would be sacrificed on their behalf without them even knowing what they're doing. Makes me think, you know, uh, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. That, that extends to more than just, right? They're even celebrating Passover at the cross, not knowing they're celebrating Passover at the cross. That's an amazing, amazing thing. All right, I put this here quickly because, as always when I lecture, I do feel like this is a lecture, I don't mean it to be, but um, I always run out of time. <laughs> so I wanna, um, I wanna make sure I'm respectful of your time. I, I did put the last three feasts just so you could be enticed by them to go read up more on your own, okay? We look to these as our hope. The other three feasts, the fall feasts, that we do not see have come to prophetic revelation to us. The Feast of Trumpets, this is always referred to as the day of the Lord, where the, they are there to blow trumpets. And if you look at uh, what the Israelites used for trumpets, there were two types of trumpets. There was a seamless, drawn-out silver trumpet, which many times the high priest would use to, to call a welcoming, to call Israel to attention and to attend something. And then there's the shofar, which we think of Gideon. And we think of like uh, all the times of calling to battle. Right? Nehemiah talks about being ready for battle and calling out that. And what's so cool in a prophetic sense that when the Lord comes to rapture the church, he will announce this with the trumpet sound to call together his church and to lay war against his enemies. Just an amazing Come Lord Jesus. The Feast of Atonement. The Jews actually think, talk about three books being opened. The Book of Life, the Book of Death, and the Book of In-Between. That's <laughs> what they kind of call it. And, and they talk about this time the in-between, there's actually 10 days between the Feast of Trumpets and Atonement, when if you're in the in-between, you get to get out of it, maybe. As a practice, they walk down to water, as water reflects and shows you who you are. And deeper the water, they hope, it's even better, because then the Lord will not see their sin. And they open their pockets and dump their pockets out, trying to get any crumbs or leaven or sin out of their life. When we think about this, the purification of the church and the Jewish nation, through the tribulation. It's a short window. Right? And then finally, Feast of Booths and Tabernacles. My goodness, when the Messiah himself comes to live with us. We set the millennial reign. Just an amazing thing. Future tense here, okay? You can still celebrate these, but we're looking. This is not in memory. This is in looking forward to. Alright. Um, I want to end by talking about specifically about Passover. Looking at this one feast. This is the meal that Jesus shared with his disciples. They would have shared so many other times. And it's been shared so many times since. And it being part of the Protestant church, right? The, the non-Jewish but Bible-believing church. We've adopted the Passover kind of meal as our communion. Right? The church I grew up in had a little table in the front that said, this do in remembrance, right? Because we don't follow the consubstantiation where things turn into the body of Christ. We do this in remembrance of this Passover. So this goes back to, uh, there are four cups and several pieces of bread that are used. Interesting, in Exodus 6, 6-7, I love the richness of the Jewish heritage. I, I said this to the guys in the group, so that they can all be accountable. I said, I would love to be able to celebrate this meal with my children to show them the richness of Scripture and what we're missing, by, in a sense, by not being Jews. <laughs> we are grafted in, but to see that richness, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm not there yet, you know, but yeah, maybe one of these times I will. Um, but this goes back, and they, they recite scripture. How many holidays do we celebrate? 
Let's start with the recitation of scripture. That basically is based on that holiday, right? We need more of those. Here, they, the Jews have since, not necessarily because told by God, but have established four cups that they use. Each cup refers to a different statement that the Lord said in Exodus 6. Therefore, I say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and one, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Two, I will free you from being slaves to them. Three, I will redeem you and outstretch your arm with mighty acts of judgment. And four, I will take his mind with people. And as part of their remembrance of this, they recite one of these with each of their four cups. They call it the cup of sanctification, the cup of deliverance, the cup of redemption, and the cup of praise. Cool, rich heritage. Honoring scripture, saying it's true, and remembering it. Evidence suggests that it is the third cup that Jesus picked up when he said, which we all know, this is my blood, which has been spoke for you. Most likely, it wasn't the cup of sanctification. By the way, all of this is Jesus. It wasn't the cup of deliverance. It was the cup of redemption. I've come to redeem you. And on Passover, what redeemed and covered up their sin? Spilling blood. Reasons for this, and I don't have the, the time right now, but in Luke 22, it says specifically after they had eaten or after the meal. And according to Jewish tradition, the third cup is the one that's raised after, after the eat which is some of the evidence that says this is probably the cup that Jesus said. Imagine the, the inquisitive look on their face of, you know, why did you pick this cup? Or, or um, wait, wait, the one that's supposed to redeem us? You're saying that that's your blood? There's also bread. And there's at least, there's many alignments here of the bread. I'm going to cover these quickly. This is where we'll close. Not only did the cup itself, with Jewish tradition from Passover, Jesus said, this is my blood, and hopefully the Jews understood the richness of that. Right? But when we look at the, the matzah, the, the bread that was just flour and water, they need it constantly so it can't raise on its own. And they, they cook it. I, I watched a video of them cooking it. It takes five seconds. to cook. That's how thin it is and how hot the oven is. So it doesn't even have a chance to rise even in the oven. Right? Um, Five points, five different things point to this, the matzah that's used in Passover as pointing to the Messiah. One, the Messiah was without sin. And we know that matzah is made without leaven. And leaven is referred to as sin many times in the scripture. If you know the leaven, right, the Pharisees of the world. The Messiah was striped, pierced, broken. And when we look at matzah, it sure has that appearance. Now, this is tradition, okay? I'm not saying it says this anywhere in Scripture, but we're seeing the richness of what God is allowed to. He started the feast, and he's even allowed this Jewish nation to put this together. A lot of this was even kind of reiterated and strengthened by the Messianic Jews in the first century. The Jews that got it and made sure that they kept it. That just as when they went through the Red Sea, they built the altar of remembrance, right? Using most likely the smooth stones they picked up that were underwater, right? They set up remembrances in their life, lest they forget the Lord. Pierced. The, the burnt marks on it from cooking it so fast. Looks like bruising. And even how it's broken. We see the flesh from the beating that Jesus had. Not referring to broken bones, but referring to what his body adored. And we know this in communion, right? Take, eat, this is my body. It's broken for you. Take, eat, and remembrance of me. Messiah died and rose again. And this is probably one of the, I think, the coolest things for the, the matzah, the, the bread that was used. 
Um, the bread was actually put in a pouch called the matzah There's three pouches in that. They put three, the, the leader of the Seder, who sets up the Passover, puts bread into these three pouches. The middle pouch, the matzah is broken. Put back, pieces put back in that center pouch. And the large part of it is wrapped in a napkin and hit away. And it turns into a game that with the Jewish kids play. Of who can find the afikomen, that's what's referred to, the piece that's hidden. To them it's been equated to dessert, because it means that which comes after. By the way, the Passover can't end. The Passover meal can't end until not only have the cups been, have been consumed and the matzah's been eaten, but they find the one that was hidden. Child finds it is rewarded. And then they partake of this, what comes after, the dessert, right? They partake of this. It's interesting to see that um, it's believed that this is what, this is this middle pouch is the part that Jesus took and said, this is my body that is broken, we know, buried, but found afterwards, right? Did, did the Lord stay in the grave? No, he did not. It's amazing to see the richness of the Jewish procedures and what they do and understand that they don't even get, some of them don't even get what they're doing. Just amazing. Here's showing just a little illustration of this pouch. There's several. I mean, it becomes unique to each family. <clears throat> Messiah is the bread of life. John 6, 51, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh. I will give the life of the world. Literally, the Lord is saying, commune with me. Right? I think it's interesting that according to their tradition in Jewish, for the Seder, they can't finish until the, the second bread is found and comes back. Right? So even as we celebrate the sacrificial Passover, we await the rapture. We await the, the church awaits that. The, the, the Jews await the Lord's second coming, right? To finish this full meal. The last one here, Messiah is God in the flesh. Messiah is the middle of three pieces of bread. And many times they, besides some people say it stands for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or, or they give mother names. It also refers to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I hope, well, you can hold me accountable. I dare you practicing any of the Jewish feasts yet. Um, but I hope that my main theme for doing that is not because I want to be looked at as being a religious person. I want my children to know the richness of Scripture. Right? And to say the richness of the Old Testament doesn't do Scripture. <laughs> Right? Jesus is old and new in one. So we, we say old and new testament just so we know <laughs> geographically where we are. But it is the fulfillment of the Lord's love and sacrifice for us. Think, and I would say contemplate today as you think about this week, on Genesis 22. Because I think sometimes it's hard to think about how the Lord sacrificed himself for us. Because we don't have a, we don't have a very good view of our own self-worth, I think, sometimes. But for me, it gets me every time when I think about someone who I care about or someone I love that the Lord did that sacrifice for them. When, and you know, Abraham would have sacrificed himself instead of his son if he could have. 
So there's, I appreciate not only the Lord saving me and, and redeeming me, but I appreciate him redeeming the ones I love. So it's such a, such a great thing. Let, let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for the richness of scripture. I thank you that you're a God that, that loves us, that hears our cry, that saves us, that redeems us, that communes with us. I thank you, Father, that nothing can stop you and that you've, weaved, you've woven the truth of, of all of this all through time and given it to us to encourage us. And, Father, we look to those fall feasts coming to fulfillment. We know what you say is true. We know you have put to shame the power of the grave. And that as we talk about our loved ones, as Sandy mentioned, it is better to to uh, die, to be away from this present body, to be with you, Lord, referring to our Father, that this is something that we agree. Death is not waiting for us, just continued life. Father, we, we appreciate you. We acknowledge you today. Help us, Father, to show that reverence and respect, not just to our families, but to those around us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you appreciate that today? Great week.